It just makes you want to smile. It's like smiles are contagious, right? And when somebody says it speaks a good word to you, it, it does something to you, doesn't it? Amen. Because that's what we're going to talk about today. The tongue. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Brother Wayne, if you would come and and receive our Sunday school offering this morning. Father, thank you for this opportunity to give unto your kingdom in Jesus' name. It all belongs to him anyway, right? Just empty your wallets, okay? It, it all belongs to him anyway, right? Given it shall be given unto you, right? Good measure pressed down. If you only want a dollar back, just put a dollar in there. That's okay. It don't work that way, I know, but praise God. Hallelujah. So good to have everybody here today. Amen. Praise God. We have been talking about... Oh, there it is, practical religion. Amen. And so we're going to continue in that vein, and we're going down through the book of James. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. And so our key scripture that we've been kind of uh, anchored to throughout this whole series of this lesson is out of James chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, and it says this, If any man among you... And that word man there is just the king's English for the word human. <clears throat> so that means everybody, not just the men. And all the sisters said amen. That applies to you too. If any of you seem to be religious, so if there's a, if there's a, if there's a premise of seeming to be religious, there must be a premise of there being that way or not being that way. So you you don't want to just seem to be, right? If I can break this down a little bit. I want I want my life to I don't want it to just seem like I'm something. I want it to be like I'm something. I want I want people to say either out loud or to themselves, there's something different about that guy or that 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 girl, that woman. Right? Don't you want that? Because there was a day when I wasn't in truth. There was a day when I was working at a um, seafood restaurant in my hometown, Louisville, Kentucky, and <clears throat> this whole group of Pentecostal people came in. They had some kind of conference going on. And so I knew there was something different about every one of them, especially the women, because they had all this hair everywhere, and they were all wearing dresses, and I had no clue what this was. But I just remember they were some of the most sweetest people and the waitresses and everybody was coming back in the back talking about them, about, you know, how they were. And it just, I don't know, maybe that, that was one of those things where the Lord was kind of drawing me and prompting me. But I'll never forget that. Something about them stood out to the point where they weren't trying to stand out. They were just being who they were. But it made enough of a difference that the staff was in the back talking about it. So I want that in my life. I want that. I want to be able to to reflect Jesus Christ so much that they just say, "I don't know what it is about that guy." And I want it to be so that they just that it prompts them to ask questions. What is it about you? Anybody ever had anybody do that to you? I desire. I want that. I want them to say, "Is there some? Is did you change your hair?" No, no, no. It's the Holy Ghost, right? Because they can't really put their finger on it. 
I don't know if you remember, I remember walking into a church where the Spirit of God was very strong and very present in that room, and I didn't know what it was at first, but I knew something, there was something in that room that just was different. Couldn't, you know, it's like, it was like, you know, I don't know, it was hard to explain, but it was the presence and the power of God, and I want to walk with that. I don't want to just have that in here. I want to walk with that every day. I want to be glowing like a light bulb with it. Amen? I don't know why I'm hanging up on that this morning, but... Okay, so if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, we're going to talk about the tongue today. But deceive with his own heart, so you can deceive your own heart with your tongue. Now this is James writing this to the believers. If you, if you remember, he was about to be put to death for the sake of the gospel. And so he's writing this letter. So you imagine yourself writing a letter to somebody. It's the last letter you're going to write. Right? And you're writing it to the believers because not one or two people are going to read this letter, but a whole bunch of people are going to read this letter. And so you want to say what you really, what's in your heart. And so you're not just going to write a bunch of words down. Right? You're going to be very thought, thoughtful and thought provoking about your words because these are your last words potentially. So he very humbly is coming to the people of God trying to help them. To carry on without him. Right? So he's saying, he's telling them this stuff. Be careful. Bridle your tongue. Be, don't, don't deceive your own heart. This man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled, he gives them a definition. Before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. And to keep himself unspotted from the world. And that doesn't mean to do it with an arrogant spirit, with a haughty spirit. Just do it with a humble spirit. Keep yourself unspotted from the world. I can't save you. Right? The only one that can control me is who? Me. God can't even control me if I don't let him. Right? So really, if if God is in control of my life, that means I have to relinquish control. Does that make sense? So I can't control that fine-looking lady back there. No, the one in front of you, sister. <laughs> I can't control her. And early on in our marriage, I thought I could, but then I figured out real quick I can't. And it was just frustrating the whole thing. So I learned to just focus on myself and then everything will work out. Right? So I can't save you. She can't save me. I can't save her. But I can look in the mirror myself every day and, and I can talk to myself figuratively in the mirror and say, you can, don't, don't look at that. Don't do that. Don't say that. Right? So I got to keep myself humbly unspotted from the world. Not up in people's face. Right? Because that could be a big turnoff. I don't want to turn people off from Jesus. I don't want them to be so turned off by my, my arrogant attitude that they don't want nothing to do with this. Right? Because Jesus didn't do it that way. 
and he had to rebuke the scribe. The, he had to rebuke his own disciples several times when they wanted to just tell the the blame, the lame, the halt, the, all the people that Jesus wanted to talk to. He wanted to. He had to rebuke them and say, "No, no, no. These are the ones I'm reaching for. Don't send them away. Bring them here." So we got to do that. So we're going to go into part two, James chapter three, talking about the unbridled tongue. So let's read James chapter three, verse one through eight. It says, my brethren, I'll give you a second to get there, but we've got it up on the screen if you need to. Everybody there? Amen. Most people are, I guess. My brethren. What a what a way to greet the people of God, right? My brethren. He's not talking down to them. He's talking on the same level as them. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend, in, offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able to also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, and they that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue, if I say the tongue, is a little member, and it boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire he compares the tongue to fire. And the tongue, he's probably speaking from experience. What do you think? He was just, he was just, he wasn't always the James that was writing this. He was just a saint one time. So he's been there, done that. He's lived life. He's, he's made some mistakes in his life. So he's speaking from experience. And he says, and the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, not among your members. He's including himself in this, among our members. That it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Wow. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things of the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. What did Jesus say in John chapter 15? Without me, ye can do nothing. But the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. Woo! Wow. All that about the tongue? Wow. And you know... At the very beginning of the book of James, he talks about the tongue. Right? And so I think he's, as he's writing his letter, he's going back to that subject and he's saying, I think I want to go back and talk about this a little bit. In verse, in chapter three, he didn't write his letter in chapters, obviously, right? He wrote a letter. We put it in chapters many, many centuries later. And verses, right? We didn't have chapters till the 1200s, and we didn't have verses until the 1500s. So it was just a letter. It was just prose. It was just him writing a letter. 
Anybody ever write a letter to anybody? Anybody ever been in military boot camp? You wrote letters. They made you write letters. You better write your mother. That's what they told me. They wanted to see all of our letters. Because don't, don't let, don't let the Red Cross come knocking because you didn't write home and tell them you were okay. Right? So letters are important. How many like getting letters? I know we don't do that. It's email now or texting or somebody's messaging you on Facebook, but you still like getting those, that, the word that somebody's just dropping you a note and saying, hey, how you doing or whatever, right? We like that. Right? Words are powerful. Aren't they? The word, spoken word is so powerful that God used it to create. Right? He spoke the world into existence. I know God doesn't have a tongue or teeth or a mouth, but he spoke from where he was this world into existence. Right? So we're going to talk about this this morning. That that's in verse one there it says, but be not many masters. Well that word masters there actually means teachers. So why is he saying be not many teachers? Well in the Jameson Fawcett and Brown commentary it says masters rather teachers. The Jews were especially prone to this presumption. The idea of faith so called without works found in James two fourteen was all that required was all that is required prompted many to set up themselves to be appointed as self-appointed teachers. And it has been the case throughout the church age. So what is he saying? Don't don't be so quick to to self-appoint yourself as a teacher. Be careful going there. The Jews like to be they like the prestige of being called a teacher. Right? It's like in Asia they 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 have a word for teacher. It's called sensei. I went to a Japanese class in Indiana, and, and everybody called her sensei. And once you're labeled a sensei, they, they're not supposed to call you anything else but sensei, teacher. And it's, it's an honorary thing. And so what James is saying is be careful. Don't be, don't be so quick to run to be a teacher because every word you say as a teacher can have a positive or negative effect on the listeners and the hearers. You've got to be careful. I take this very seriously. I don't want to say anything that's, that's just Vince talking. I want to say what God is telling me to say. And, if, if he, and I'm trying to listen. And if he's telling me to shut up and don't say that, I'm trying to listen for that. Because I don't want to speak out of line, speak out of turn, right? Because it's like that little object lesson that my wife used to do in Sunday school with the toothpaste. Once you get the toothpaste out of the tube, you can't get it back in there. It's out. So once the words come out, you can say you're sorry, but the words are already out. So he said that, that we, he, James was talking about himself too. He said that we would not receive a greater condemnation. Right? James is in his humble conciliatory spirit, conciliatory spirit includes himself. If we teachers abuse the office, we will receive a greater condemnation than those who were mere hearers. 
right? Because words are powerful. They are powerful. The tongue, we're talking about the tongue this morning. James is talking about the tongue. In, in uh, James chapter 3, verse 2, in the, in the Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown commentary, again, it says, offend not. That the, the words offend not literally means stumbleth not. Is, is void of offense or slip in word. In which respect one is especially tried who sets up to be a teacher. Be careful when you, when you're gonna speak. And it's, when I saw that offense or slip, it made me think of the, the phrase slip of the tongue. Anybody ever heard that? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. That was a slip of the tongue. I misspoke. They like to use that in politics. <laughs> they misspoke. No, they lied. <laughs> or spoke out of turn. They shouldn't have said, they knew they shouldn't have said that, but it's too late. So they're trying to backpedal. I don't want to have to do that, do you? So we got to be careful what we're saying. If you're teaching something that's not in this book, but it sounds good, but it's not in this book. But it sounds good, sounds biblical, but it's not in the book. You could be misleading people. Does that happen today? Do we have a lot of religions in the world today that are misleading people? It all sounds good, but if you had to measure it up against and run it through the filter of the Scripture, would it, would it make it? Would there be any material left? So I, once again, I, this is a touchy subject, but James is talking about it. And I guess it, in my mind, God let this book be included as part of the Bible. So we got to talk about it, right? It's in there. We got to talk about it. So that scripture in James chapter three, verse two, also in the, in the God's word translation says, all of us make mistakes. If someone doesn't make any mistakes, when he speaks, he would be, and I said, or might be, perfect. He would be able to control everything he does. Now, the way I read that is, you, if, if you could, if, if you could control everything you do and everything you say, you might be a perfect man. That's what James is saying. You might be. If you can control everything you say and everything you do. And how about everything you think? And as far as we know, the only human being that that would even come close to fitting into that definition of a perfect man is who? And he's, he's not walking around on this earth anymore, at least not himself. So we need to strive to be like him. Right? So the implication here from James's writing is that we as human beings can't control everything we think and say and do. Is that true? I'm just asking, is that true? We want to. We'd like to. Wouldn't we? We desire to, even more so with the Holy Ghost, 
I believe that we are able to more than we used to, but do, do you think that we still can slip up and have a little slip of the tongue every now and then because our flesh just kind of gets in the way? What do you think? I believe it. And, and I believe it because I know. I know me. You know, how many times have you regretted saying something? And uh, and I'm going to insert this in here because, man, when I was studying this, the Lord was beating me up. He was tearing me up with this, working me over. And this thought occurred to me, and so I wanted to share it with you. Is thinking something contrary or critical about someone and not saying it just as bad as saying it or speaking it? I'm not going to ask you to answer that. You answer it for yourself. Is thinking, boy, why did she wear that ugly dress today? And not saying it as bad as saying it? Or how about, this is the other part of my thought, how about saying it to somebody else but not to that person? Man, did you see that ugly dress she wore? Right? And... Yeah, and God's listening when you think it. I'm sorry, but there's there's enough scriptures in the New Testament out of the mouths of two or three witnesses that says that he knew their thoughts. So you can't even think it. You shouldn't. Right? So we got to be careful. Because the Bible says that we're going to be judged for every idle word. And and since he knows our thoughts, what does the Bible say? Out of the abundance of the heart, the inner man, the mouth speaketh. But if you're thinking it and just not saying it, is is God pleased with that? Wow, the enemy can so easily just, just slip right in here and just cause division in the body without us even realizing he's doing it if we're not careful. Right? Keeping yourself unspotted from the world doesn't just mean not not doing all the stuff that the world's doing, drinking and smoking and cussing and all the other chipping, spitting and chewing and all that other kind of stuff. It's all this other kind of little stuff, that seemingly little stuff. Because if the enemy can get us divided among ourselves over seemingly unimportant stuff, but it seems to be important to somebody, out of our words and out of our thoughts, he's got his, he's done. Because we will just begin to fight among ourselves, and then he can just go take a coffee break. Because he's gotten us bickering and fighting and, and warring among ourselves, and he's divided the body. So the tongue is an important thing to be careful of. That's included in the keeping yourselves unspotted from the world. Amen? Luke 6, 43 through 45 says this, For a good tree bringeth forth bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bringeth forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor do a bramble bush gather they, they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And Evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the 
out of, or we just, didn't we, didn't I just, I, I must have got ahead of myself. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, his mouth speaketh. It's not just a, the him, male, that's us. Out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth will speak. So whatever's going on in here, whatever we're thinking, it's going to spill out if we're not careful. Proverbs 18, 19 to 21 says, As a brother offended, it's harder to be one than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. Right? And with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. In the God's Word translation of verse 21, it says, The tongue has power of life and death, and those who love to talk will have to eat their own words. Once the toothpaste is out of the tube, you're not getting it back in there. And who are we talking about when we're talking? If we're talking about another individual, whether they're in the church or out of the church, we're talking about God's creation, one of God's creatures, right? Politicians know all too well, and people of influence all know all too well that they can destroy a person's career and livelihood through slander and character assassination. It happens all the time. They use the media, the newspapers, Facebook, whatever, and they'll destroy, they can destroy a person's very life. Just by innuendo, just by accusing them of something they're not guilty of. Just by accusing them of being racist or being a rapist or whatever. It doesn't matter if they ever did that before. Once those words are spoken and, and people hear it, they start getting it in their mind that that's, that must be what they are because everybody's saying it. If you say something, a lie long enough, People will start believing it. Right? Wow. So words are powerful. Even our body language. Even if we're not saying something with our mouth, our body language can speak volumes. Now, if, if you've got a spirit about something, about a particular thing, I, I don't even know, don't even know which one to pick, but if you have a spirit about something and and people walk in the room, they can feel that. You believe that? I believe that. There's a, there's there are spirits that that get on us about you know opinions. We call them opinions, but I believe it's a spirit, and we can actually have an effect on people around us just by carrying that spirit around, never saying a word, and people feel that. Just like in that school where my wife worked, those kids know if there's if the person that's teaching them is just there punching a clock and just coming in to do their job, do their eight so they can get out of there. And that's their attitude throughout their whole day. Those kids feel that. And they feel it when that teacher really cares. They know the difference. They don't if you ask them, they wouldn't say, Oh yeah, I know the difference, but they know it. It's just built into them. They know, they know when somebody cares and when they don't. 
And when they're just there punching a clock, and they will respond accordingly. Right? If you have a boss like that, or somebody in your life, you can tell when they just don't want to have, they don't want to give you the time of day. They might be smiling at your face and telling you all this stuff. Like that old song in the 70s. <laughs> Smile in your face all the time. They want to take your place. The backstabbers, right? There's people out there today like that. I know some of y'all are going, what song is that? But that's true. That's true. But you can, there, there's a spirit. And you know, there's people today that study that stuff, body language. And they can, they can, they actually have people like that that work for our, our intelligence community that will sit in a meeting and they'll just observe the body language of the international people or whoever's in the meeting. And even though they're saying one thing out of their mouth, they're observing their body language and going, that's not what he really means. Or he's lying about that. They can observe it because you know what your body will do? It'll do, you, you will do things that you don't even realize you're doing. You'll twirl your hair and, and you'll, you know, purse your lips and you'll do all kinds of stuff and you might try to think that, oh, I'm not going to do that. But when somebody's asking you questions and, and it's a touchy subject and you don't want to answer it, your body's going to react to that. You might say things with your mouth, but your body's speaking before you ever, you, you ever do. So that's why I'm saying there's a spirit. That we can, we can emanate that spirit before our mouth ever says a word. Right? So we gotta be careful. So that the, in the, the book of James, it talks about the tongue being an unruly member. Right? That word unruly speaks of slander. Anybody ever heard that word before? In one entry that I was reading, it said that that word slander, that it is, speaks of a restless demon. You think demonic spirits are involved in that? I do. Because the enemy would like nothing better than to get us fighting among ourselves and to get us speaking things and thinking things about each other to get us to be divided among ourselves. So that's why the Bible, that's why this, James says that that is a world of iniquity. And it's set on fire of hell. Hell's involved. All the more reason we got to be very diligent about what we hear, how we hear. This is going back to some previous lessons. And we got to be careful when, how we think and what we let come out of our mouth. Because you can't take it back. You might apologize and they might forgive, but it's already been said. The damage has already been done. What did we just read? It's harder to win a wounded spirit than it is to, to, to take a city. And how do, how do people get wounded? By words. We just read that scripture in Proverbs. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can kill somebody without ever pulling out a weapon. Because this is the weapon. Right? That word unruly in the Greek, I'm not even going to try to say that word. But it means 
Basically, it means untamable. The tongue can no man tame. It's untamable. It's unruly. Wasn't it the tongue that got Satan in trouble? Lucifer? What did he say? I'm going to elevate myself above. I'm going to be like God. I'm going to. That's what got him in trouble. Running his mouth. Saying things he had no business saying. He didn't have the authority or the right to usurp God, did he? But he did it anyway. And he paid a heavy price for that. He and a third of the angels. So we got to be careful. What we say and how we say it. Words that are related to slander that, that you might just want to think about are defamation, like defamation of character. You can be sued for that. Smear, misrepresentation, disparagement, libel. You can be sued for libel. If you libel somebody's character, they could take you to court and sue you for that. Sully, defile, disparage, scandalize, tarnish, belittle, denigrate, malign, defame, vilify, and besmirch. we got to be careful. You don't want to besmirch somebody's character. You don't want somebody to, be, to besmirch your character. What, what were the two greatest commandments of all? Number one was what? Thou shalt... Love, Lord thy God, with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like unto the first. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you love yourself, you wouldn't talk about yourself like that. Sometimes we talk to ourselves. Say, come on, you big dummy. Stop that. You know better. Right? So we're not going to we're not going to run ourselves in the ground. So why would we do that to somebody else? Why would we do that? Matthew 18 verse 6 and 7 says, "But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, if it, it were better for him that that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he would he that he were drowned in the depth of the sea." Whoa unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom, that person by whom the offense cometh. And I found it interesting, that word offend, but whoso shall offend, that word is in the Greek is scandalizo, which sounds like what? Scandalize. Scandalous. It's scandalous. To tra- a trap, a stumbling block, to cause to stumble and fall, not found in the Greek writers, in the New Testament, figuratively, to be a stumbling block to someone. Wow. If you offend in word, you can be a stumbling block to somebody. You can cause them to stumble and fall, to give a cause of offense. To someone. We gotta be careful. And that word offenses, down further down in that scripture, is the Greek word right next, right after this one in, in the Greek 
dictionary is scandalon. Wow. The trigger of a trap on which the bait is placed and which, when touched by the animal, springs and causes it to close, causing entrapment. Your words can be like the bait on a trap. We had to read a book in PI in Purpose Institute called The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. And this is one of the things that he talks about. Words. Words are very destructive, and they can be. So we got to be careful. It speaks about being being an ambush. You're ambushing somebody. You're, you know, we are we're talking about somebody that, you know, in Matthew 25, Jesus talks about the sheep and the goats, right? And he talks of he's talking to the the ones on this side and the ones on this side, and he says. When I was hungry, when I was thirsty, when I was naked, when I was all these things, you came and ministered to me. And they asked the same question the other ones asked that didn't. When? When did we do all those? Or when didn't we do all those things? When you didn't. He told the one group, when you did it, to the very least of my brethren. And he had told the other group, when you didn't do it. So what does that mean? we got to treat every creature that God that is made in the image of God with the same respect and honor that we do our the saints of of God in this building. You got to love them. Guess why? <laughs> Cuz he loves them. It doesn't mean he likes them where they are, but he loves them, doesn't he? He does. We were praying a little while ago for the the prostitutes and different people like that. Does he love the prostitute? He absolutely does. It seems to me like in the Bible there was this woman that came to wash his feet. Wasn't there? Was she one of those? Yeah. And he and they and what did his disciples do? They tried to run her off. And what did he say? Uh-uh. She came here to minister to me. You leave her alone. Right? we got to be careful that we don't touch with our mouth those individuals. Because we don't know what God's plans are for their life. He might not be telling us. He's just using us to get them to drop a seed in their life and to get them hungry enough to want to come and, and receive more. And so I don't want to get in the way of what God's doing, do you? Because I want to have an attitude or I want to have an opinion, spirit, or say something that is, that is not productive. That is, that is not out of love. Because Jesus loved them. He even loved the Pharisees. Yeah, he did call them whited sepulchers and all that kind of stuff, but he was trying to reach them. He was trying to get down and, and just get them to see. To see where they were and where they needed to be. Because they were using their mouths a lot to do all kinds of destruction. Those religious people, weren't they? That's who James is referring back to when he said, talked about teachers. Don't be so quick to want to be a teacher. 
look at look at the Jews. They they were and, and look how they look how they fared. Look how they did. They were more destructive with their words than they were helpful. They lorded it over the people in one place the Bible said. Amen. James 3, 9 through 12. We're going to jump right down to that next little section there. And it says this. Therefore, therewith, bless we God. Talking about the tongue. Even the Father, and therewith curse we men. Wow. Which are made after what? The similitude of God. They're made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed the blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. And what I found interesting in that scripture is the word mouth. In verse 10, it says, out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. That word in the complete word study Bible dictionary, mouth means, says figuratively meaning edge or point as of a weapon. The figure being taken from the mouth as armed with teeth and biting as in beasts, the front or foremost part, also of the front of an army. In the New Testament, a sword, the point of a knife. Wow. So what did the, the Bible even calls the mouth of Jesus what? Tongue of Jesus, what did he call it? A two-edged sword. Right? So the mouth is a weapon. Right? Do I need to read that again? The mouth is a weapon. So I had some people shaking their heads, so I'm going to read it again. Figuratively meaning edge or point as of a weapon, the figure being taken from the mouth as armed with teeth and biting. Doesn't somewhere in the Bible it say something about gnashing upon them with their teeth? Whoa. As in beasts, the front or foremost part also of the front of an army. In the New Testament, a sword, the point of a knife. So your mouth, your tongue, your your mouth can be is likened to a weapon of war, a destructive weapon, a knife or a sword. So we've got to be careful. We we don't just need to pull this thing out everywhere we go. <laughs> we got to be careful. Psalms 141 verse 3 says, it's a good prayer to pray. I love this scripture. Set a guard, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. Your lips are a door. Wow. He put a door in front of your tongue. Think about that for a minute. Keep the door shut, right? Proverbs 16, 23 and 24 says, The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. So pleasant words come out of a pleasant spirit, right? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth 
the sword, the knife, the weapon speaketh. Right? Does that make sense? You'll probably never think of your mouth a different other than that again. I know I won't because this is just, just tore me up just having to study this. One writer said, and I'm kind of bringing this down to a close here. One writer said that the tongue was placed behind two doors. Think about it. You got your teeth and you got your lips. So the only way that thing can get out of there is if you open both doors. Right? That's why those people that are in front of those committees or whatever that are being asked all those pointed questions, that's why they purse their lips. They're trying to hold, "Mm, if I open my mouth, I'm going to say something stupid. So they're trying to purse their lips and keep whatever it is in there. Does that make sense? And their their body is subconsciously doing that, and they don't even realize it. Mm, You know, you ever had something to say, and you went, Jesus, you can read my mind, but I'm not saying it. Help me, Lord. Forgive me. Right? Nobody ever has to know you were thinking it except Jesus. And if you go to repent over that, you know, it's... What did we just read in the book of Proverbs? The heart of the wise teaches his mouth. We gotta have a wise heart. We gotta be modeling ourselves after what this word says. If we just think about how Jesus did it, that's all you gotta do. Did he ever say a crossword to anybody? Actually he did. But it was in love. He spoke it to the disciples when they were in that upper room after he had been crucified and, and been rose from the dead and he, Bible said he upbraided them with their unbelief. So he kinda had a few choice words with them, but he spoke it in love. Because right after that, what did they do? They left that room. And they went out and did what they were supposed to do. Stop living in fear. Get out of here. Yeah, they're going to persecute you, but I need you to go. I need you to do this. And he went through the temple. One other place. He formed a whip and he went through the temple. Right? He was He was a little perturbed there because they were making making the temple to be just a like a dollar general store right and he he was a little upset about that but still you know one one scripture that we need to pray is that lord and i i pray this one a lot let the words of my mouth Lord, in the meditation of my heart, let it be acceptable in your sight. O God, my Savior, my Redeemer. What a what a prayer to pray every day. Whenever before I ever leave this house, God, before I ever get out of this bed, Lord, let the words of my mouth, let everything I think today, not just the words of my mouth, think about it, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So let every Everything that I think, everything that I am thinking about saying, everything I'm going to say, let it be acceptable. Let it be what you would have me to say. Nothing more, nothing less. Don't let me insert my opinion. Just let me speak what you would have me to speak. And 
And God, if you don't want me to say anything, tell me and I won't. Right? Because silence can speak volumes. And you won't regret not speaking. Depending on the certain circumstance and situation, right? Sometimes it, you need to speak. Sometimes you need to have an intervention. You need to say what needs to be said, but you need to say it the way Jesus would have said it in love. Right? He loved those Pharisees and Sadducees. He loved them. He didn't set them over here and go, I love everybody else but these religious guys. No, he loved them too. We got to love them. Amen? Hope this was all right this morning. I hope I didn't say anything that would that would mislead or I'm serious. I, I didn't wanna I didn't want to say anything that, that would cause you to to fall or stumble or any of those things. Amen. So, you know, we are his hands and his feet. We're his voice. You know, we sing that song, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, on earth I long to be like him. All through life's journeys from earth to glory, I only ask to be like him. Give me that same attitude and spirit that he had, that he always spoke words of kindness and love. And even when he rebuked his disciples for wanting to run off the blind and everybody else, he did it with love. He did it with a, he, he was trying to teach them something. Right? Lord, give me what to say. Tell me how to say it before I open my mouth. There's, there's nothing wrong with praying a prayer like that. And you know, the more you, and the more you spend time in this, the more you're going to talk like what's in here. <laughs> right? It's like I was, I tell the guys at work when they say, when I'm leaving at 430, they say, well, we'll see you on Monday. And I say, well, good Lord willing in the creek don't rise, I'll be here. And they used to chuckle about it, but I, the one guy said, why do you keep saying that? And I said, because the Bible says that not to make plans and say I'm going to do this or do that, but if the Lord wills, I will do this or do that. He went, huh, that's interesting. I was like, yeah, it is. But we got to be careful what we say. But, but but those words are ministering to that that one guy. He just like, it just blew his mind that I kept saying that. He thought I was just being flippant and saying stuff. And I said, no, there's reason I'm saying that. Because I don't know if I'm going to get hit by a bus when I leave here. I don't know what's going to happen this weekend. I might not be here Monday. So if the Lord wills, amen. Praise God. Lord, we thank you for this lesson today. We plead your blood over this, the remainder of this service that you administer mightily through our pastor today as he comes and ministers to us. Your word, Lord Jesus, that you would have your way in the remainder of this service. Not our will, but your will be done today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, see you in about 12 minutes.